Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In Act Two, Scene Two of his Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare's Juliet bemoans the fact that she has been born into the Capulet family and her beloved Romeo was born into the Montague family. Montague? Capulet? What are these, she reasons, but mere names? Tis but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art thyself, though not a Montague. What's Montague? It is nor hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part belonging to a man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Juliet's sentiment and her logic have passed into our common lore. A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Now, I'm going to ignore the fact that the question of the relationship between a name and the thing that it represents is one of the oldest and most enduring problems in the history of Western philosophy. I'm ignoring it because, in fact, most modern Americans agree with Juliet. Names are just labels. It doesn't matter what we call a thing. At least that's what we seem to think when it comes to naming our children. I don't see any other way you can explain the absurd names that some parents give to their children today. Frankly, it seems to me that uh, names matter more to us when naming our pets than naming our children. You hardly ever see a black Labrador retriever named Spot or a dachshund named Fluffy. You're much more likely to meet someone with a son named Spot or a daughter named Fluffy. <laughs> Some people apply the same reasoning to the name of God. Since there's only one God, they reason, it doesn't matter what you call him. Jesus, Allah, Krishna, Ra, you're still talking about the same deity. But the Bible takes a different view. There are three major passages in the book of Exodus where the meaning of God's name is discussed. In each case, there is significance attached to the meaning of the name, and in each case, the significance underscores the view that God's name reflects his character, and his character is revealed by what he does. In our text for today, the beginning of the song that Moses and the people of Israel sing after God's defeat of Pharaoh's army at the crossing of the Red Sea. This is not one of the three major passages, but it reflects the same idea. Throughout the first 14 chapters of the book of Exodus, the name Yahweh is connected to God's redemptive work, his rescuing his people from harsh servitude in Egypt and bringing them out of the land of oppression to the place that he had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So when Moses and the people sing this song of God's triumph, they begin... I will sing about Yahweh, for he has triumphed gloriously. 
The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Yahweh is my mighty song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a man of war. Yahweh is his name. Here, as elsewhere in Exodus, God's name is defined by what he does. The name Yahweh is associated with the mighty warrior, so that Yahweh is the God who remembers his promise to Abraham. Yahweh is the God who delivers his people by defeating their enemies. Yahweh is the God who fulfills the word that he had spoken to Moses, that by the time he was done with them, even the Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. And in celebration of that deliverance, Moses and the people of Israel lift their voice and they sing, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And because God has grafted us into his people, we can all join with Moses and lift our voices and sing together with them. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Let's, let's do that one more time. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The name of God matters because when we call upon God, we confess by his name and declare to the world who he is and what he has done. And to call upon God by a different name is to confess something different about God. But some things are lost in translation, even some things about names. Take our passage. Yahweh is my mighty song. He has become my salvation. Now, the standard English translation of the word salvation is ever so slightly off target. The Hebrew has a preposition attached to the front of the word, lishua. In this case, the preposition indicates the role or the function that a thing or person performs. The point is this, the idea here is not the abstract concept of salvation, but rather the proclamation that Yahweh is the one who performs that deed. He is the one who saves his people so that we could perhaps communicate that more effectively by translating Yahweh is my mighty song and he has become my savior. So when Moses and Israel sing, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my Yeshua. 
They declare before the world that Yahweh is the Savior who delivers his people from bondage and brings them to the land of promise. And we confess the same thing when we sing with them, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my Yeshua. Yes, the name of God matters because the name of God is a declaration of who God is and what he has done. And that's just as true in the New Testament as it is in the Old Testament. Thus, when the angel appeared to Joseph, and told him to take the already pregnant Mary as his wife, he said, she will bear a son and you will call his name Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. This etymological pun that he will be Yeshua because he will Yasha, save, reflects the same truth. God's name defines who he is in terms of what he does. A rose by any other name may smell as sweet, but a God by any other name is a worthless deceit. In this Yeshua, born of Mary, in a stable in Bethlehem, God himself became man, to do in human flesh for you and for all mankind what he did for Moses and Israel. Deliver you from bondage, not merely the bondage of physical human slavery, but to deliver you from that slavery that binds us all in thrall to sin and death and black damnation of eternal hell. And this Yeshua we proclaim when we call upon his name. For in his name alone we have God's promise that he has heard our cry and by his death and glorious resurrection from the dead has brought us out of the land of our oppression and brought us into the land of his own kingdom. And so as Peter says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And so with Moses and with the whole people of God, we praise the God of our salvation when we sing, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my Jesus. And with the whole company of heaven, we sing this song, now and for eternity, declaring for all time and beyond all time the name of the one God by whom we and all men must be saved. We sing, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my Jesus. Again, the Lord 
Jesus one last time. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my Jesus. Amen.